he'd run through his nan to be able to get a touchdown. Hello and welcome to episode 10 of Pick and Chips. Uh, this week, joining me and being brought back from his benching last week is Alan. Welcome back, mate. Good week? Yeah, very good, thank you. Sorry I couldn't be there last week. Uh, needless to say, I, I would have uh, correctly predicted every single result of the divisional round. I think we had a um, a bit of an upgrade on uh, knowledge with Brian, who was in last week, I was sat here feeling like an absolute amateur when he was talking. Yeah, he certainly knows his stuff. Uh, he, he certainly knows about the Dolphins. Anything anyone wanted to know about the Dolphins, he would know it. It's just a shame no one really wants to know anything about the Dolphins. <laughs> I love that. Shade being thrown to our newest guest. It's fantastic. Well, formerly our newest guest. We have a new one. Um, he's a Wigan Athletic fan, but... More importantly, he's a Broncos fan. Welcome to the pod, Tom. Uh, uh, thanks for having me. It's uh, great to be here. Brilliant. Okay, um, so, the Broncos. What happened there? Well, where can I start? Injuries galore to many of the, quite a few of the defence was affected with injuries throughout the entire season. I think, at one, I think towards the end of the season, we ended up with practice squad cornerback starting apart from OJ Media, who was a third round draft rookie. So the secondary was struggling a lot with injuries and that definitely didn't help us. We had Drew Locke who's now only played sixteen games in his professional career, which again isn't he's I'm not gonna say he's a bad quarterback, but he's definitely not proven himself to be a starting level quarterback just as yet. And then even losing Cortland Sutton early on in the season to another injury. I think at one point we were the team with the highest amount of cap space that was on IR, which that's never going to lead to a good season. No, it's grim, isn't it? Yeah, it's not. Definitely the best. I mean, you've got the 49ers who had a bad in- season with injuries, but we were definitely up there in terms of them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay, so that's when, what went wrong. What went right? Garrett Bowles. He's been the shining light this season. Going into the season, especially the last draft, the big question was, are we going to go with a wide receiver in the first round or are we going to try and get a tackle? Uh, we went with Jerry Judy, who played well by a few drops, but he played well season. But Garrett Bowles coming on leaps and bounds from him being booed out of the stadium some, some weeks last season and coming back, earning himself a high-paying long-term contract and repaying the faith that uh, John Elway showed in him, we drafted him in the first round. He's definitely been a shining light and it's one of the few good points that's come on this season for us. Uh, yeah, I think uh, of all the players that you've you've got to look at as a shining light, he's certainly one. Um, with, uh, with John Elway, are you surprised to see him pretty much giving himself a promotion and then handing the job half of his job to someone else or is it is it is it about time that happens um well him stepping up if you want to put it that way it's been a i won't say it was expected but i know that there has been a quite a few fans over the past two or three years that have been calling for him 
to either step down or be fired because he has had his difficulties in drafts. He's since man since we signed Manning, obviously he took us to a Super Bowl. Since then, he's had a very hard time trying to identify talent at the quarterback position. And obviously, you can't do anything in this league unless you do have a competent quarterback who's at least average. And he's struggled. He might have found his guy in Drew Locke, but at the same time, he might not have. So it's been coming, but still a surprise. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure. I'd. Uh, I'd I'm not sure. Me or Alan he, um, would agree with you um, that he may have found a quarterback there. He's probably about average. Uh, I don't know. If you listen back, we've been pretty critical. <laughs> I mean, he has moments. You have to remember what he's got to work with. You know, Tom mentioned about the injuries, and yeah, they've been you know stacked up, and you know. I don't necessarily think many people would have expected much more from the Broncos in the situation they're in. It'd be good to give them a fair crack of the whip, I think, next year. Um, I think that if we'd had a, not had the injuries, we'd have, I don't, not, I'm not going to say we'd have made the playoffs, but I think that if we didn't have the injuries we had this year, there were a lot of Broncos fans that were saying that we could have pushed on and at least been in the conversation for the playoffs. I think if you've if you've got Von Miller playing and you've got Bryce Callahan playing the whole season, you've got Cortland Sutton who's going to take a lot of the pressure off the other wide receivers, then you've got a good core though, got a good young core. And it's just if it all comes together is the main issue. And so far it's not come together, but who knows what next season could bring. That's just it. I think the um the league sort of goes it comes and goes quite quickly, doesn't it? I mean, the it was only uh, four years ago that Jacksonville were beating the Patriots with with um, Tom Brady in the in the playoffs, and and look at them now. They've got the one pick, number one pick, and they've got a buttload of uh, cap space. But I don't imagine they're going to be a particularly strong team again next year. Um, there, yeah, they, it comes and goes. So I think the Broncos have certainly got a chance to come in and use that cap space and use the draft to really strengthen. I guess the difficulty is that the Broncos are in a tough division now. You know, the Chargers are resurgent with Justin Herbert. You take away the games that he didn't start, and you know they may have a winning record. The Raiders were their own worst enemy. You know, they may actually realise how not to be their worst enemy next season. Uh, and then you've got the Chiefs. So, you know, it's a very, it's like the anti-NFC East, the AFC West is, you know, next year, maybe bar the Chiefs. <laughs> I, I think any of those teams could finish second in the division and make the playoffs. But which one I would probably struggle to say at this very moment in time. I know at the uh, start of the season, I was um, reading about, is it Adam Rankin who works for the NFL Network? And he mm-hmm. did like a season preview for the for the league, and he, like each individual team went through who he thinks would win each game and stuff. And he actually had the Broncos this season. He thought that we might have actually won the league, the division. So for us to then, but that was obviously before all the injuries that we suffered. And um, like I said, I mean, the that division is probably one of the hardest in the league, just because of you've got, like I say, you've got the Chiefs who were well, they're the Chiefs, aren't they? They got Mahomes. And as long as he's in the league, they're always going to be up there somewhere, I'd imagine. You've got the Chargers who have got a young quarterback breaking all the records, 
who looks like he's the guy for the for the for the next decade, fifteen years, whatever it's going to be, whatever his career pans out to be. And then they've just gone and hired Brandon Staley as well, haven't they? As their uh, new head coach, who the Rams, he's part of the reason why the Rams had the number one defense this year, and they've already got a decent enough defense anyway. So, and then obviously, like I say, the Raiders, they're the Raiders, they're their own worst enemy. If they don't, if they can sort themselves out and get rid of all the silly penalties they end up getting, then they could also be a force. So it's, it, yeah, it is definitely a very difficult uh, division to be in. I don't want to be critical of Adam Rank, but I just had a quick Google on some of the things he said. And back in August 2020, he said Gardner Minshew is the Jags quarterback of the present and the future, and he's about to establish himself as the franchise quarterback for the Jacksonville Jaguars. So um, there's probably more than one thing that he got wrong, unfortunately, this year. Sorry, Adam. So the first game we're going to look at this weekend uh, is the Baltimore Ravens going to Buffalo and losing three points to 17. I think everybody expected a bit more of a... uh, a showdown between a bit of a quarterback showdown here. One mm-hmm. one throwing, one throwing, and one um, one running. Um, and I suppose you have to, as boring as it sounds, you have to kind of accept that uh, the weather did have an impact, but it just wasn't a good. It wasn't a good game, and it was a dreadful performance from the Ravens. I nearly set them up as my dud of the week, but I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go at a different angle with that one. Um, but I mean, if you just look at the team, the team stats for the Ravens, um, they they actually they actually achieved one more first down uh, than Buffalo, strangely. Um, but they just didn't use the ball very well. I mean, I know I know obviously there was a there was a wild interception and return touchdown. Um. But they were just incredibly inefficient considering they controlled possession. I mean, that third quarter where where Buffalo really stretched ahead, um, stretched their lead ahead, kind of kind of almost inflates the uh, inflates the scoreline almost artificially. Um, but I'd, at no point did I think the Ravens were going to win that game beyond at any point beyond when Buffalo went ahead. They were just awful. Uh, Alan, what, what did you make of them? Yeah, I mean, I've been quite critical of the Ravens uh, leading up to sort of a few weeks off the playoffs. And I said I didn't think they'd win a playoff game and they proved me wrong. Um, but I guess this is sort of more what I expected to see from the Ravens. Um, and you know, last week, Lamar, he looked a bit rocky initially, but then he came back stronger this week, he didn't have that sort of miraculous recovery. He just looked a bit rocky before he ended up being injured and therefore replaced by Tyler Huntley, who was not a player I was familiar with until this game. Uh, rookie out of Utah, I think. Um, he won't be familiar with him going forward either, I think. Well, <laughs> I, I, actually, I actually thought he moved the ball down the field quite nicely, considering the pressure situation they're in, you know, chasing the game. Uh, he actually finished with only uh, two rushing yards less than Lamar Jackson on a third of the carries. He also um, nearly had half, well, no, he had about, he had somewhere between a half and a third of um, Lamar's 
uh, movement through the air as well, passing yards. So I actually thought he was all right. And if they didn't have to go for it at every opportunity by the time he was in the game, they probably would have kicked field goals and they probably would have ended up with as many points from Huntley under centre as Lamar Jackson. And I don't think anyone would have expected that before the game. Uh, no, um, I mean, just, just going, going to the yards, um, Jackson had 162 yards off of 14 completions and Huntley had 60 off of six. So, I mean, he's, he's got a hundred less yards in eight less throws, but, um, which, you know, it's, he was on course to certainly eclipse, eclipse, uh, Jackson, if they had a similar amount of type time on the ball. Yeah, definitely. And it wasn't just Lamar that was making life hard for the Ravens. Um, Tucker turned into Chicago Bears era Cody Parkey um, for this one. And (laughs) the weather was bad, uh, admittedly, but, you know, he's probably top two, uh, maybe top one uh, kicker in the league. He's the the guy you'd want. And, uh, yeah, he really struggled early on, you know. Points change games, and they didn't capitalise on those opportunities. And before they knew it, the game was getting a bit out of hand. But they they generally just didn't rush the ball very well either. Uh, both Gus Edwards, J.K. Dobbins, around the forty mark, both from ten carries. You know the Hollywood revival is still going pretty strong. No touchdown, but um, <laughs> I have truly set him free. But one player that um, I would say is a bit of a Bit of a disappointment in this game, but also most of the season, to be honest, is Mark Andrews, uh, tight end. Yeah. You know, he's someone that going into the season, people said, okay, so what's Lamar Jackson's air attack looking like? And everyone would have said Mark Andrews first. Uh, but he's really, I'm not sure if it's Mark Andrews or whether it's more Lamar's struggled throwing this season. Um, it's just not painted particularly pretty picture for Mark Andrews this year, which is a shame. I think their um, third down efficiency was really poor. I mean, the one that obviously the only one of them particularly stands out to me was when they were, uh, Lamar fired the ball off left to, I think it was Lamar. I can't remember whether he'd been changed. He'd been, uh, he'd been stubbed out at that point, but the ball was fired out to JK Dobbins. Um, it was a little bit behind him, but it was a very catchable ball. Um, and he had about 15 yards to the to the closest defender, just completely open, and he just dropped the ball completely under under no pressure whatsoever. And it was kind of that that kind of play was it really defined uh, Baltimore's afternoon. I think. I think if you look at it in terms of like the when Huntley towards the end after he come in, he had a Marquise Brown, he had wide open. And he overthrew it by about two, three yards, and he didn't quite make the catch. If he catches that, it's down to within a, uh, it's down to within a score. And it's at that point, it is a completely different game. I know it's it's getting towards the end of the game, but if you're running down by a score, you, you the momentum's back with you a bit because you've got that late score that can go on and then change the game a bit. It ramps up the pressure on your opposition so much, doesn't it? If you if you're suddenly within a score late on, exactly. And then if he's made if he's made that and. I know it's it's a lot of ifs and not, but if Justin Tucker's being as he is normally and he makes them field goals, you you see obviously it's an even closer game then. He's what he's missed two field goals early on. I know and I know that the uh, Bills they also missed a couple of field goals, but if he makes them field goals and he gets that last 
get doesn't overthrow that ball, you're tied up near enough. Yeah. And like I said, it's yeah. just a it's I don't want to sound very cliche or anything, but it's it's a game of fine margins. And it's literally a game of hitting hitting the post or it's hitting it just a bit wider than the post if you're a field goal if you're going for the field goal or it's two yards over front and it's them little fine margins that change that game completely. Definitely, and we've seen games change on you know slightest different um, angle of a pass or um, a simple drop catch. Like last week, the Bears, Javon Wims, I think it was, dropped that one in the end zone. Uh, and, you know, they might have been playing in the divisional round if they scored that touchdown early on. So you're completely right. Super fine margins, and you know, the Bills didn't particularly impress me either. I thought defensively they were good, but offensively they were a little stale. Uh, Stefan Stefan Diggs, he's been such a revelation for this team. He had over huge, half, yeah, over half of the total yardage for the Bills in this game. Eight receptions, 106 yards, for, and a touchdown. You know, he is their everything at this point. You know. Um, and I guess the concern for me for going forward for the Bills is that they had no run game at all. They had less than 35 yards between the running backs and Josh Allen. Are they going to be able to take on the likes of a Chiefs or you know the Packers if they get to the Super Bowl or even the, the Buccaneers? Um, they didn't. I say defensively they were they were good and they shut down the Ravens, but offensively they were left little to be desired. I thought. With um narrow victory over the Colts last week, I wasn't that impressed with them. Um, obviously, they, they stepped up and they did what they needed to do to win the game. It was a lot closer than most people were giving the Colts credit for. And a lot of that was that they look they look very one dimensional. If you can get if you if you can read Josh Allen and you can you can step up and make those stops. I mean obviously it, it, it's one thing saying, oh, if you can step up and stop Stefan Diggs, then doing it. But they don't seem to have a lot of ways to really hurt you on that offence. And I've been really, really sort of hyping them up and getting behind them towards the end of the last, towards the end of the season. I'm sort of going off them a bit. I mean, going into the, uh, going into the postseason, I was saying that I think they're going to win the lot. And I absolutely don't expect them to win the lot now. Um, I mean, Josh Allen, 206 yards through the air, 23 receptions. It's not horrible numbers, but it's not great. One one touchdown. He was sacked twice for 18, a loss of 18 yards. <sighs> three, uh, three, three yards off of seven carries. Um, and his longest was six yards, which tells you everything you need to know about that. I, mean, I can see that. Um, and I'm probably less confident about them than I was. Um, you know, there were still things that they did nicely. You know, I mentioned about their defense, and it'd be wrong of us not to mention Taron Johnson, who matched the longest postseason pick six in history, 101 yards. Uh, he also equaled the top number of tackles on the Bills on this great defensive performance. But you know, we've talked about it, and I'm not bitter about it. But he's not our unexpected hero of the week. But Tyron, you must do better next week, mate. You need two pick sixes, 107 yards, and then maybe we can get you in. Ah, oh, get over it. <laughs> I think with the uh, with the Bills is I still I think they can go all the way. Still, I've I've got faith in Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs mainly, but 
But I think going into this off-season, they definitely have some holes that they do need to plug in the run game, especially because to only get, what was it they had on the, the just under 35 yards for the rushing for the game, it's it's nowhere near good enough, is it? They need, they, you need to be, when you look at what other teams are producing on the run game, you need to be matching that if you want to have a successful passing offence as well. Because if they're just going out to stop the pass and you're not getting a running game going, you're not going to be as successful, which is obvious. I mean, they've got they managed to get the win there, but a lot of games there they wouldn't have won. It's just that they were playing against a Ravens team that worked looked like they were all at sea, and it was it weren't the it weren't the complete performance, but it was enough to get the win from. Which is, I suppose, that's all they need to do at this point. Isn't it? Definitely, you know, a win's a win. You know, that's now in the past. They got to start focusing on Kansas City Chiefs, which you know. Good luck, guys. Um, one thing I will just say about the Bills is that since the win, um, Bills Mafia, who obviously were absolutely loving the game, um, you know, you can just they ooze passion, don't they, when they're in the stands? They've done a group donation uh, to one of Lamar Jackson's favorite charities, in sort of like a in honor of his performance and sort of, sort of a get well soon sort of message. Uh, lovely touch. Isn't it nice when people do that rather than be like the Pittsburgh Steelers and just whinge and complain and say, oh, don't worry, that team will lose next week. Um, you know, a bit of class is what I like to see. We don't need to hear about the Steelers. Let's not mention them again all episode. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, no, you're right. You are, you are right. Um, the Bills the Bills Mafia coming for a bit, quite a lot of stick. Um for some of the stupid stuff they do, obviously like lighting fires, lighting tables on fires and, and jumping through them and stuff. It's, it's a very strange way of behaving, but it's a very, very good, it's a very, very nice gesture. And one that I wouldn't have expected from them. What we'll do is we'll move on to our next game, um, which we're going to talk about next. We're going to talk about uh, the Cleveland Browns going to Arrowheads. And I mean, narrowly, Losing 17 points to 22 against Kansas City Chiefs. This is a bit of a, a football cliche, like a proper football, not American football, a proper football uh, cliche. Uh, it was a real game of two halves, wasn't it? Um, and you know, I, I did want to see the Browns win because you always want to see an underdog win. And, you know, they've had such a bad time for such a long time, uh, just as a team, but also for the fans as well. Um but they didn't really deserve it. Um, even even with Patrick Mahomes going down, and obviously that gives them a significant advantage. They didn't really show me enough when Mahomes was in, and it didn't really surprise me that they didn't actually follow through to actually get the win. Um, you know, the big three for the Chiefs, they all performed well. You know, Mahomes is actually a little bit quieter than normal, but Kelsey and Hill both ended up with eight receptions and both got over 100 yards. You know, those guys, we talked about the Bills just a moment ago, and Stephon has got half of the total yardage of 106 yards. These guys got um, more than that each. <laughs> so, you know, it's very much more potent offence than the Bills and how they're operating at the moment. Uh, I thought it was interesting the way they used Miko Hardman, actually. He's a player that's really been known in the past for stretching the field, sort of gets maybe one, max two 
targets a game, but it'll be sort of a hail mary almost sort of situation. You know, it's, it's a it's a um, a streak route. Uh, you know, they use them in some different ways. They use them in sort of shovel passes, uh, doing jet sweeps, and I just thought it was nice how they used him. You know, he's he's a speedster, and with their gap without Clyde Edwards Alaire, I thought it was an interesting way of using him. Also gave some rushing attempts to Tyreek Hill as well. On the other hand of it, uh, Lev Bell, I, I think he's lost it, the poor guy. Um, he had two carries. Gone, any? Gone, completely gone. Yeah, he has. And I remember people getting really hyped up. I know a Chiefs fan. And he and someone else were getting hyped up about how great Lev Bell was going to be for the Chiefs. Traded for him, didn't I, in fantasy. And uh, it wasn't it wasn't overly expensive because the person I traded with was an idiot. Yeah, confirmed. It, failed, it completely and utterly failed. Yeah, and yeah, there's a lot of people that thought he was going to be great, and uh, he wasn't. He had two carries in this one. He had, I'm not sure how many receptions, the targets he had, but he did, I don't think he had any receptions. He definitely had some targets. Um, Daryl Williams, who's you know, third choice, if Damian Williams was hadn't opted out for the season, he's the third choice running back, which means that Lev Bell was currently the fourth um, on the depth chart. Be interesting to see if he retires at the end of the season. Um, you know, as the Chiefs always do, they do enough to get through. And obviously, it's not nice to see Mahomes go down like that with a concussion. Uh, and you know, he was certainly wobbly when he got to his feet, which is always quite scary for your teammates as well. Uh, but when he actually scored his rushing touchdown, it, I sort of he sort of planted his foot so that he the defender would miss and. It scared me when he did that because the amount of times we see quarterbacks that rush a bit, you know, they plant a foot to try and change direction um, like rapidly and then they end up going down with a torn ACL or something. So, uh, I mean, I know he's a bit of a freak in nature, but I think it was probably going to change his game. We'd actually talked about previously on the podcast that he's not rushing as much. Uh, I wonder if that gets even more dialed back after this injury. I think that the um the we we uh with Patrick Mahomes it's that he's one of those ones where he, no matter what you try and do to stop him, he's gonna find a way to beat you. You can Absolutely. you can you can stop him throwing and he will take off. Or if you try you try and stop taking off, then he will just he'll get downfield and he'll end up with Tyree Kill in the end zone or he'll end up with a little like a little um dump off to one of his running backs but he always manages to find the open man, which is as someone as a fan of a team that has to play him twice a year, it's terrifying because you there's nothing you can do to stop him. Really, all you can do is slow him down. He's one. He's a player that you can't stop. You can only slow down. And even slowing Patrick Mahomes down, he's still above and beyond a lot of the quarterbacks in this league. And for him to have only gone, was it the seventh pick he went something like that? Uh, he was the he was the tenth for the Bears to have traded up and taken taken Trubisky and leaving Mahomes on the board and Watson Deshaun Watson as well Deshaun Watson well it's it's criminal it's criminal to leave him on the board looking at what he's become and obviously the draft you can't be sure what's going to happen but he's just been unbelievable since he's come into the league and he's only he's only going to get better. Because I mean, was it was it I think during this season he did an interview and said that he only learnt to read defenses 
midway through the last season. And he's managing to do what all of everything that he did last season when he were, wasn't able to properly read what what a defence was showing him. Like how how do you how do you compete with that? How do you stop that? It just doesn't seem human, almost. Yeah, I mean he um he benefits from having I, I called them cheat codes last week, um, but having Tyreek Hill and um, Travis Kelsey to throw to, um, because they are just phenomenal. Um, I don't think I don't think there's any other way to describe them. They're phenomenal football players. Um, they are. They're just. I just. Uh, I, I. I really struggle to talk about the Chiefs because no one. I, well, I don't seem to have many people uh, agreeing with me that they're not a great football team. They just have a few great players. If you took. If you took. If you. I think if you took one or two of the. Mahomes, Hill, and Kelsey out. It doesn't matter which which ones of the three you take out, one or two of them, they're not going to be nearly as devastating. They'll probably make the playoffs more often than not still, but I don't think they would be that dangerous. Um, they, I don't think they'd be troubling the, the AFC Championship or the Super Bowl every year. Um, and I don't want. I don't mean that as a slight on them at all. Um, you know, I've likened them to Sir Alex Ferguson United teams on multiple occasions now, where you've got a load of workhorses doing a very good job, and then having one or two, three, maybe three world class players, really pushing home and doing and, and you know breaking out and being the stars that lead the team forward. And I think it's exactly the same in Kansas. Um, Andy Reid has done a very very good job of assembling a very co- competent roster, but. I just see so much that particularly, I mean, more probably more so on the defensive side. I see so much that they don't do amazingly well that when teams capitalize on, on it, like, like the Colts did in the mid, mid middle of last season, like the, like the, um, and like the, uh, the Raiders did this season. If you just play to their weaknesses, you're going to, you're going to have a damn good chance of actually taking them, taking them close. I think um, you, we were saying that Kelsey and Hill, obviously they are, Kelsey's the best tight end in the league. There's no debate about it. Tyreek Hill is, well, he's Tyreek Hill, isn't he? Like, it's questionable, should he be in the league? But that's, that's a whole other debate. But he, <laughs> he is in the league and he's showing what he can do. But to be honest, I don't think that people are giving Hardman enough credit because he is a Tyreek Hill in waiting. For me, he's got the speed, and he—he's a—he is a very good wide receiver, Michael Herman. It's just when you're playing behind Tyreek Hill, you're not going to get as many opportunities to show what you can do. I don't think I'm not going to—I'm not going to say that he is as good as Tyreek Hill. He will get to be as good as Tyreek Hill, but he could certainly be a serviceable wide receiver too for him because he—he—he's—he is the same player, but he's also a bit different in that he brings that little bit of some extra he can do other stuff and I think he, he will be a good wide receiver for the Chiefs long into the like into the future after even if they lose Tyreek Hill I'd agree uh, I think probably the reason you don't get a lot of support for saying the Chiefs aren't a very good football team Nate is that the Chiefs have lost one game in 27 
which is quite hard to argue against. And I know they squeak through quite a few of those, but I mean, how, how many times do things go wrong? You know, the amount of times someone, a quarterback throws the ball to a wide receiver that's open and it pop, they mishandle it, it pops up and it goes to uh, a cornerback and they run through for a pick six. It's not the quarterback's fault. But the amount of times there's so many things that could go wrong but yeah, they still have only lost one in twenty-seven. It's it's pretty incredible, really. Yeah, I, I mean, you're pretty, you you are probably right. Um, I probably give them a little bit too much stick for narrowly winning a lot of games. I just I, I look at them. I, just, I don't know. I just look at their performances in these games, and there's a lot that I just don't find very impressive. Something I did find very impressive this week, though. Um, was our unlikely hero of the week, Chad Henney. He came in late on, obviously, after Pat went down with that horrible, horrible um, injury. Um, completed six of six of eight attempts, uh, which means he was the most accurate quarterback on the field for 66 yards. I'm not going to shy away from the interception. I don't know what he was thinking. I don't know what he was doing. It was a absolute turd of a throw but the scramble to almost <laughs> make 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 the yardage up to move the chains um and narrowly miss out on uh, on the first down but then the pass the 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 absolute bomb outright to hill to to take them to a fresh set of downs um it was clutch it was exactly what the team needed at exactly the right time um, and other than the interception, he lit, he didn't do anything wrong. I would, I wouldn't often give him, give a player who's only tried to throw the ball eight times, basically you know, over the course of you know just a few minutes on the field, um, a weekly award like this. However, he made such a positive impact on the game and really saved saved the game for the Chiefs that I don't think there's anybody else worthy of it this week. I think. As an honourable mention, potentially, you could go with um, Andy Reid for having the balls to go for it there on fourth and one. When he's he's not got his superstar on the field and he still has faith in his team to be able to convert that fourth and one. So mm-hmm. I'm not going to say it should be him, but as an honourable mention, it could potentially be given to him as well. I think that's a, a decent shout. Um, I think we should probably talk about the Browns since they did actually play in this game as well. Uh, Absolutely. They didn't do a lot in the first half, did they? Um, and... I thought they were going to really struggle in the second as well. Uh, started off with a bad pick from Baker. I mean, he had a an okay night. It was quite a Baker 2020 sort of season performance, to be honest. Um, but I do think he has grown this season. I think they'll feel more comfortable with how Baker Mayfield's leading this team at the end of the season than they probably were at the beginning. There's people starting yeah, to he looks him. he he definitely looks a far better player than he did at any point during his previous two or three seasons, didn't he? Hasn't he? Yeah. Well, I mean, his rookie season you get a bit of a pass, but yeah, I think he's been he's been decent. And it's, I was going to say they could be a real force if they had a real star wide receiver, but of course they do. It's um, I know, but... They've got two of them, really. Mm. I think Landry's got the potential to be a star, just hasn't realised it. Mm. Uh, I mean, in this game, David and Njoku had a nice day. Um, 
four receptions for 59. You know, he's someone that people have talked about is going to have a breakout at tight end for years upon years, and he never quite has it. Uh, but he made some really nice catches in this game, um, as did Rashad Higgins. He's someone that's, you know, come out of nowhere for me. Uh, I had no idea who he was, but he's really impressed. You start looking at some of the stars, though, for the Browns in this one, and, you know, they really came up short. Uh, Nick Chubb, he's runs through defences for fun. Uh, I think he averages something like 85 yards per game. Uh, not only was he below that, but he dropped a lot of short passes. He's not really known as a receiving back, so that's more Kareem Hunt's job. But he can catch the ball and he can make up good yardage uh, through the air, but he just struggled in this one a lot. And Kareem Hunt actually hardly got a sniff in this game. Uh, they both had the same average um, on the ground. They were both averaging 5.3 yards per carry. But maybe they should have gone with Hunt a bit more, especially when chasing the game. That's what they've done in previous games. When they're chasing, they go through the air. You know, short dump-offs suits Baker uh, and Kareem Hunt can make a play. On the other hand, you've got Jarvis Landry, who, you know, he's carried them to this point. They had seven receptions, but had only 20 yards on the day. And when you're then looking to people like Donovan Peoples-Jones, um, you know, people that, and I already mentioned Rashad Higgins, people you'd never heard of before six months ago, it's going to be a tall ask. And you know, it's not surprising that they struggle to overcome this Chiefs team, even though the Chiefs only scored 22, which is pretty low for them, really. Um, I don't know if it was an intentional usage of him or not, but it kind of worked well with Kareem Hunt in that they rested him. They, well, I, didn't, I won't say they rested him, but it seemed like he he came in more towards the end of the game and had much fresher legs than everyone else on the pitch did, on the field did. And it sort of, it played the, to their advantage a bit because, like I say, he was running with fresh legs against a, a more tiring defence that had been on the field for a bit longer. And he seemed to be able to more be a bit more explosive. I mean, he had half the carries for half the yardage to Nick Chubb, but that all seemed to come in the fourth quarter. So if they, if they had used him throughout the game, it could have been a different result. But then I think you look at that the uh, the fumble towards the end of the first half, and it's just you're looking at going. Everyone said like you're looking through Twitter and stuff on the night when it when it happened, and they're all saying don't don't reach it. Just take the ball out at the one-yard line and you've still got the ball. Yeah, you've not got the touchdown, but you've still got two minutes from the one-yard line to punch it in. Yeah, I saw um, I saw on Twitter with Bill Belichick, um, apparently he has punishments for players that reach in that manner for the pylon um, because the risk far outweighs the reward. Yeah, and the difference in this game essentially was that, wasn't it? It was that touchdown where um, touchdown or... Um, I don't. I don't want to blame the refs or anything, but it feels like. I mean, obviously, it's quite. It was pointed out during the broadcast, everything. But it, I mean, it should have been a penalty on the play as well. And yeah, it, it's it's lowering the helmet to initiate contact, which it's it's it is unsafe. And the it's obviously it's hard to see stuff in real time. You can you can spot any foul in the world if you're watching it in slow motion on a replay from multiple angles, but. Stuff like that needs to be getting spotted by the referees. They can't be letting that sort of thing go by without being punished. And if that penalty gets given, like I say, it is still a completely different game. So it's 
the players need to do their job, but the referees, they need to be doing their job as well. Oh, I have a bad record with going off on the referees. I'm not a fan of NFL referees. They're worse than Premier League referees, and they're shite. I thought you were going to say anyone. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, they're just... Oh. But you, you're completely right, Tom, in the way that if they're already doing a booth review on the play, you got to review more than just that. You need to look at the whole play. And that's where the system failed the Browns in this occasion. I still think the Chiefs would have won. But as I said before, you know, points change games and it could have been a completely different outcome. I think, well, it's like I say, I mean, why can't you review? Why can't everything go to review at the booth? Like, I know obviously they brought in the pass interference where the coaches could challenge it last season and not a single one was overturned. But that booth reviews are completely different to the coach being able to throw a challenge flag. Like if they can, they're going to spot something, and something like that where you your coach can't throw a flag down to, to challenge it, but it you, it's very clear in the replay when they check and see if it's across if it's broken the plane, you can see clearly what the foul. So why can't that then be given by the booth referee? It's just it's one system where you've got the technology to do it, implement it, and like I say, I mean I I'm saying I could go off on the referees in the NFL for hours. This season, last season, I think everyone's had bad experiences with the referees, either giving or not giving penalties that should or shouldn't have been given. And you could speak to anyone who supports any team in the league and they'll tell you a story about a bad refereeing decision. But if you can't, if your referees aren't performing to the standard they should be doing, then questions need to be raised, obviously. And that one, especially, I mean, it is a dangerous foul that goes unpunished and it's. It's just, it, it baffles at times. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to go into the referees again. Um, I spent more than enough time ranting about their inadequate, inadequate performances throughout the season already. Um, uh, but what we did, uh, I, think that's, I think that's that game pretty much wrapped up. Um, so we'll move on to, uh, we'll move on to Tampa, going to uh, New Orleans and coming away with a 30 to 20 point win. Um, Tom Brady had his best game against uh, the Saints uh, this season, his third attempt. Um, the big, the real big difference in the game this week was the fact that they managed to turn three of the four turnovers into touchdowns. I mean that I've said before that a chick not punishing teams when you turn the ball over and coming away with only three points or coming away without points is what it's sort of criminal and it, it's what will lose it actually it, it's what loses a lot of teams games um but to turn three or four turnovers into touchdowns is the exact sort of thing you have to do to win these big games later on um it's such a shame for drew b breeze that i'm giving him the dud of the week um i saw i i initially wanted to give it to the ravens because they managed three points and were dreadful but I just, and I do feel kind of bad for giving it to Drew Brees. Um, but what a horrible way to end a pretty stellar career, really. Um, and he's sort of, he's just sort of gone out with a bit of a whimper. You know, those those late interceptions that he threw were just. I don't. I I sort of want to describe them as lazy. They're just. So, inaccurate 
bad throws. It's the sort of thing you saw from Rivers in um, in in LA last year. And it was just it's such a shame that he's sort of going out like this because what story it would have been to like go out on top. I mean, I don't think they'd have beat Green Green. They would have beaten Green Bay in the uh, in the NFC Championship game. But what a story it would have been to go out on such a high. And they just instead of going out on a high, they've gone out like a real, a really disappointing performance and a real whimper. Yeah, and you know the turnover battle was four nil on the night. And as you mentioned, Nate, the turnovers that they had, they were able to convert them into points, lots of points. And one of the reasons they could turn them into lots of points is because they were always turnovers in Saints territory. So, you mean, you look at the stats and it wasn't a great offensive performance, again, by either quarterback, you know, buzzing around uh, 200 yards for Tom Brady uh, 134 for Drew Brees, but he didn't need to be stellar because they had such a short field to go up against. You know, they just there was one pass by Brady to Mike Evans for the touchdown. It was an absolute cannon um, for an arm from Brady. It's an absolute rocket into Mike Evans, and I, you know, I really rate Mike Evans. Um, you know, they they started on like the ten yard line. <laughs> So it's not like they had far to go. And for me, it's probably just as well that the Saints will be moving on from Drew Brees. I do like Drew Brees a lot. I think he's been such a good player for the Saints, really good leader, um, you know, ex-Walter Payton Man of the Year. Uh, but it might be time for famous Jameis after his 56-yard bomb to Traquan Smith. What an absolute peach that throw was! Um, I mean, when 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 they said he was coming in, I was like, "What?" And then he lined up out wide. I was like, "Ah, he's you know he's handy. He's he's quick. So um, maybe maybe they're just going to try and sling it out, and he's gonna he's gonna go for a few yards." But that the throw. I mean, he was his body his body was like shaped up that he was going to throw it across the field. So the fact that he twists as he's throwing and just throws it down to a wide, wide open receiver was just um sorry, to a wide open Smith was was pretty crazy. Um and I'm actually gonna give uh Traycon Smith the player of the week. Um he had just three receptions but two touchdowns and eighty five yards. If that's not serious production off of limited volume, I don't know what it is. And it was it's such a shame that he sort of they've 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 lost that performance that that game really um, because he did have a he, he had a fantastic albeit short game three was all he needed um i think that i mean it's it's of interesting point to bring up what could happen what's going to happen next season with the saints first because they're in they've not got a lot of cap space to work with because they've obviously seen that uh, breeze's career is coming to an end and they've gone very much in a win-now mindset and they've pushed for this playoff window. And with Breeze retiring, I think arguably you could say that that playoff window is definitely, maybe not fully shut, but it's it's near enough there. And yeah, it's, it's definitely closing. And it's what what direction do they want to go in next? 
Did he want to go with uh, a Jameis Winston, who, yeah, he's he's had he's got experience in the league, but is it great experience that he's had? Obviously, setting records for most interceptions with it and pick six and all that sort of stuff, and it's not records that you want to hold. And James, he could be a good quarterback, and he's clearly got the arm, strength, and talent to make it as a quarterback. But is he good enough that you're willing to pay the money for him? And it's where, where do the Saints go next? Uh, it's, I mean, it's a very good question. Um, I don't think he. I don't think he continues there. Um, I mean, I would when when they announced that they were when Breeze went out injured and they announced that they were going with uh, with good old Tate as their starting quarterback uh, over uh, Jameis. I thought he's not going to be happy with that. Uh, and he's probably going to bail if if they don't give him the starting job soon. And I would be very surprised if he didn't, because I don't want to put I don't want to put Taysom Hill down too much. But if I was Winston and I'm, and I wasn't given the starting job over him, I'd be absolutely steaming. Um, I think they have to try and find someone in free agency, but who that's going to be? Maybe maybe Matthew Ryan, someone of that ilk. Perhaps, but you know he's getting on. Andy Dalton. No one should want Andy Dalton. <laughs> Andy Dalton would be good in Denver. No, let's let's not go there. <laughs> I could go into it. I'd much sooner tear some hill. <laughs> I could go into it, but I won't. Let's let's stick to the game. <laughs> uh, one thing I was going to just mention quickly on the Buccaneers was that Tom Brady, I wondered if he was actually going to be pushing his, or even broken his career record for number of rushing touchdowns in a season. Because I don't feel like I watch the Buccaneers relentlessly or religiously every week. But I feel like I've seen him score quite a few rushing touchdowns. Uh, He actually has three on the year. Four is his most ever in a season. Uh, But it does mean that across this year and last year, he now has more touchdowns than Le'Veon Bell. Just to sort of hit another... (laughs) Uh, nail into the oh, Le'Veon Bell coffin. Le'Veon, mate, give it up. Go home. Le'Veon Bell has been oh. outrushed in the last two seasons by Tom Brady. Good God. That just seems unnecessarily harsh for you to bring that up. And I love it. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> the Saints weren't that good, were they? Alvin Kamara pre-knee injury a couple of years ago, I thought was the absolute bee's knees, the badgers nadgers. But he's not quite... He does have good games, don't get me wrong. He does have some fantastic games. But for me, I'd have probably had him in the top two, three running backs in the league. And I feel like he's slipped down a bit. I don't know if it's how the Saints use him or whether he, you know, he's just never fully recovered from the injury. Uh, I'm not sure what it is, but he doesn't seem to be at 100, which which he was a couple of years ago. I don't know how you guys feel about him. Absolute nonsense, yeah. wasn't it? Uh, I think that Alvin Kamara, he's, he obviously, he's a very good running back. I mean, you look at the Christmas Day game, it, you, you don't get much better than that, uh, the running back position. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's crazy. It's, what was it, six, six touchdowns and... All on the all on the ground, barely anything through the air. All on, all just charging, rushing the ball, and it's just it's crazy to look back and go that actually happened. And I think running back is it's 
it's on the down downward like trajectory as a position anyway across the league. People are teams aren't willing to invest as much into the running back anymore. You Try can, telling the Titans that. Well, yeah, you got the Titans and you've got the um, the Panthers with McCaffrey, but McCaffrey can you could line him up as a slot receiver, more snaps than you could do a running back, and he put up the same numbers. Just be be just as prolific in in that role as he is as a running back. Alvin Kamara is is he at the same level as a McCaffrey? No, or a, or a Derek Henry? No. He's not, and. Derek Henry's obviously he's he's just pure power and strength. He just rush he just runs through everyone. You try and, unless you tackle him down low, you're not stopping him, and you're gonna you're gonna end up. I wouldn't want to run get if I was to be in front of Derek Henry, I would be murdered. Sort of thing. He would murder me by running through me. What would you rather take off Derek Henry? A stiff arm or a knee to the cranium? I don't want either, but I'd much sooner have the stiff arm. <laughs> <laughs> Derek Henry will run through you. He'd, he'd run through his nan to be able to get a touchdown. He's that committed <laughs> to getting that ball in the end zone. <laughs> but McCaffrey can do all this other stuff. Kamara, yeah, he's good, but I wouldn't I wouldn't pay him. If he were coming to free agency, I wouldn't pay him the money that he'd be commanding because it's a it's a replaceable position it's, in the league. Yeah, it's a receiver's league, isn't it? Um, yeah, I just want to go back to Alan saying... Um, the Saints weren't good. I agree with you, but they outscored four other teams this weekend. Um, two, sorry, one of whom won a game, um, which is crazy. I don't know. Oh, I don't really want to talk about the Buccaneers. Uh, this is where this is where the downfalls of hosting a, pod, a podcast about the NFL really hits home because you have to talk about teams you just don't want to and players you don't want to, and I just don't want to talk about Brady. Tom, look at me. Tom, crack on. Um, I think, I mean, like I said, having put up with Tom Brady in the same like conference as the Broncos for so long, you sort of get used to You know he's there. You know what he can do in this league. And he he's, he's consistent and he does what he does. He does. Tom Brady does what he says on the tin. He gets the ball down the field and he gets in the end zone one way or another. And... You saw it last year with New England where he didn't have the weapons out wide for him to be able to throw to as much. He's come to Buccaneers and he's putting up better numbers and he's because he's got his wide receivers. You've got your god your Godwin and your Evans. You've not got much of a much better wide receiver duo in the league. And if you've got them weapons there, you can do you can do stuff. You throw in your Gronkowski, you throw in your Antonio Browns, and you've got a very you've got a well rounded wide receiver corps. And then and even at running back, you look at the numbers they put up. Was it 63 yards for Fournette and 62 yards for Jones off 30 rushing attempts? It's it's good numbers. It's what you need to be able to win games. And they've gone out and they have they've won game they've won a game against a, who are really they are a good team. They didn't play too well this weekend, but over the season they are they're a good team. You don't win 13 games without being a good team. Tampa did a very good job of using those ground players just to extend those drives um, and, and 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 kind of control the clock. And at this stage, it's it's what you need to do to win those close those close games. And you know, if it hadn't been for those late interceptions, it it would have been a lot closer, and you probably would have seen the Saints winning this game. 
I think one thing you have to hand to the Buccaneers this season is that they have minesweeped some talent. Um, you know, Leonard Fournette cut by the Jags. Most teams weren't interested, but they took him on and he's become, you know, not necessarily an integral part of the offence, but he's a, become a significant part of the offence, a real change of pace from Rojo in the backfield. And then Antonio Brown, yet again, a player that a lot of teams wouldn't have touched with a barge pole. You know, they've picked up some talent from players that have got some troubled history or um, not wanted by others, and they've turned them into playmakers to help them get to the NFC Championship game. It's you know They've made some astute moves. I mean, even Brady or, or Gronk. You know, they've built a team. You know, those sort of four or five players have really made a difference this season. And who knows? They could even make the Super Bowl. I think that um, bringing in the Antonio Brown and the Gronk especially, that's very much a part of the Tom Brady recruitment drive. They're two players that only would have come back into the league to play with Tom Brady. If the, if the Bucs didn't have Brady, they don't have Gronkowski, they don't have Antonio Brown which it fair play to the two players that want to play with him. And, I mean, it's not the same with Fournette. Fournette would have signed with anyone, I think, at that point, after being cut. But, it, like, you look at Gronkowski's coming, he's not played the same role necessarily as much as he, he didn't have the same impact as he did in New England, especially at the start of the season when um, OJ Howard was still playing, way before he got injured. But he's come in and he's done, a, he's done the job he was brought in to do. Antonio Brown's come in, he's done the job he was brought in to do. And you've already got your Chris Godwin and your Mike Evans there. You've got two very good wide receivers and you've bolstered that attack by bringing in three good players. And it's all the part of the win-now mentality that the Buccaneers have got. They've looked at the the recent history of how they've played and they've gone, they've obviously recognised it wasn't up to the standard they want. And they've gone out and they've got the players they need and it's worked because they're in the they're in the playoffs. They're in the um, they're in the playoffs. They one get with a one win away from Super Bowl, two wins away from the championship. It's it's worked for them, and that's what some teams need to do. Oh, it's sickening! Oh, I just, I don't want to ever see Tom Brady's smug face again. Uh, and I just got a horrible feeling that we might. Um, but let's move on to the final game of the week, and um, and we have. The LA Rams, who went to Lambeau and lost 18 points to 32 against the Green Bay Packers. Um, it was a very, very solid and assured performance uh, from Green Bay, and I don't think it's taken absolutely anybody by surprise. Honestly, I think anybody backing the Rams going into this game was fooling themselves. Um Rogers threw two touchdown passes and managed to run, sort of scramble out and run for, for a uh, score himself. It was a one-yard touchdown pass to Devontae Adams um, and then an absolute 58-yard bomb to Alan Lazard, who he actually targeted a hell of a lot throughout the game. And that really sealed off sealed off the game. Um, and against the NFL's number one defence, admittedly minus... Aaron Donald for most of it, but even so, like putting up thirty-two points, four hundred and eighty-four yards on a defense 
that is so good at shutting shutting you down. I mean, Aaron Donald and uh, and uh, Floyd are so good at getting at the quarterbacks, and and Rogers just made Floyd look look almost like a rookie, just slipping by him time and time and time again. And you know, Jane and Ramsey just. He didn't have a great game. He didn't have a great day. But no one on the Rams' defense had a particularly good day. Um, LA allowed ninety-four more yards than they'd allowed at any point throughout the year. Um, Green Bay scored on their first five drives, um, and they didn't turn the ball over once. Um, they also just punted twice, which is a really, really good way. Good way of you know, sound rounding out a win by. Just by keeping your special teams off the field, um, you know, well, your punt, your punting team off the field. I've got a bit of a statement here, and I'm sort of, <laughs> I'm doubting myself now because of uh, because of the Buccaneers. I'm just starting to get a horrible feeling. But I did write on Sunday night, guys. If you had any doubt about Green Bay being the favourites, you got to drop them right now. They are gonna win the lot. And I just it's making me a little bit nervous now, but I still I still think they're gonna win. Um I still think they're gonna win out and they're gonna be in the Super Bowl and I do make them my favourites to win the whole lot now. It's funny you should say that, because I was making some notes before we came on the pod and the first line is the Packers are serious Super Bowl contenders, maybe even the favourites at this point. It's literally word for word what I'd written. Um, yeah, I, I think they're not here for playing. I think they're here for winning. I think um, it's what you can do when you've got the MVP. You, you, if you've got the MVP playing for your team, you're going to get results like this. I mean, Aaron Rodgers, he's putting nearly 300 yards on the number one ranked defence in the league. Not many quarterbacks have come into a game like that and do that. And like I said, they made, even on the on the ground, they tore apart. And through the early time apart. And it was just that one bit just before the big touchdown bomb to Alan Lazard. And he sort of looked up at the safety and had a nice little smirk. And that he's got that he's got the swagger that he needs and he's got he knows what he's gonna do and it's that's the the X factor that's gonna win you these games and it it is Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, um just going back to what you said with um with with them rushing really well, Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams had great great days. Yeah, they both had fourteen for twelve and fourteen carries, ninety nine and sixty five yards. So you know they've put they they've put up over one hundred and fifty yards between them. And we said that I said that um, Tampa did a great job by using those backs and um, just running the running the ball and controlling the clock. But Green Green Bay did it fantastically well, um, and, and they weren't just using their backs and controlling the clock, they're actually really hurting um, the Rams going forward. Um, I don't I, I, I don't think that... I mean, I, don't, I didn't expect the Rams to get this far. Um, they could well have missed out on the playoffs ent- entirely. Um, but then they sort of, sort, of, sort of squeaked in with a 10-6 record. Um, and... Uh, they beat a very poor Seattle team, but they, 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 they were sort of, they weren't overly convincing, particularly on offense. Um, 
and I thought they were going to get smoked here, and they oh, they, they did really. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I just, I'll, I'll talk a bit more about the the Rams and their and their problems in a little bit when we do our season review of them. But they, um, yeah, Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers got to be the MVP. Um, he just, I would say, right now, this particularly this year, he is comfortably the best quarterback in the league. I did love his rushing touchdown. It really made me laugh. He, he, you know, he complete, he completely fooled um, the defender. I don't know who it was, but um, Floyd. Yeah, he completely fooled him, and he, he's probably still up in the air waiting to come down from that pump fake. <laughs> uh, he jumped so it's beautiful, high. Beautiful, wasn't it? Uh, Absolutely beautiful. It, it it was a work of art that pump fake, and I, I actually I've got my little notes here, and I, I made I've, I've written that down especially because I just it deserves talking about. If it's not for that, it's not in the end zone. And it's just, it was a work of art. Yeah, it was hilarious. Um, and you know, you, you're right. Um, they, in the, the Rams didn't necessarily have the best defensive performance. You know, they're, But they were able to sort of make Devontae Adams seem relatively human, which I think at this point is all you can do. He's just had such a good season. And I don't know when he's going to slow down. Um yeah, he's a real talent, you know, with Rodgers and uh, Adams and Jones and even Williams and the backfield as well. They can just hurt you in so many ways on the offense. Uh, they are a scary proposition. For the Rams, I didn't expect them to win, uh, far from it. And I did think that their only real hope was Cam Akers, who's you know, had a real revival. Well, not even a revival. He's just sort of really sort of flashed why they drafted him in the last sort of four, five, six weeks. And yet again, you know, he had a good day. He uh, rushed for uh, 90 yards, averaged five yards per carry, got a touchdown. But given that Jared Goff only had half a hand uh, and, you know, they already lost Cooper Cup earlier in the day before he was at Cleared out. They just didn't really have much of a chance, I don't think, by the time it actually got round to game time for them. So yeah, it was it was a nice game, but it was clearly the Packers to lose. Uh and they you know carried it home and they they get the home advantage at Lambeau, as you say. I think with the with the with Green Bay being able to come into the game and put up thirty two points on them, that it's obviously they they weren't playing to the fullest of capacity on defence the Rams. But like I say, I mean Donald wasn't hundred percent, but even an eighty percent Donald is he's up there. And they managed to keep him quiet the entire game. I know he wasn't in for all the snaps and all that sort of stuff, but they kept him quiet. They didn't let him get to Rogers. I don't think they did no sacks on him or anything like that. This this is the still it's still the number one defence in the league statistically and they put 32 points on which I think was the second most they've had all season they've got like second most points conceded the Rams have had all season and it was just all it makes me think what what would this what would this Packers team have been this year if instead of taking Jordan Love in the first round they'd taken one of the first round wide receivers or they've acted, if they've actually just drafted somebody in this last off season that would have been a weapon for Rogers to use because when you look at the the draft they had, it wasn't one that seemed like they were trying to. They weren't drafting to help Rogers. It seemed like they were drafting for the future and taking Jordan Love. 
if they took a wide receiver there, this team could have been even better somehow this season. Yeah, I agree. Terrifying it could have been. Um, but, you know, it's worked out all right for them, isn't it? So, I actually like the acquisition of Jordan Love um, from what I've seen of him through the Combine last year. And um, looking at his uh, some of his college tape, uh, he looks a very good prospect. And I can't think of anyone better to sit him in, sit him in behind and let him learn from. Um, I mean, the Colts have done a similar thing with Jacob Eason this year where he's had absolutely no time on the pitch and he's just learning and he's learning and he's learning from from Rivers and Brissett, which is not as not as nearly as good as earning for learning from Rogers. Um but you know I I think that I think I think it was an astute move. And at this stage, with them being so close to the Super Bowl and I would say being favourites for the Super Bowl, it's not hurt them. No, it's, I mean, it's certainly not hurt him. Obviously, they've done what they've done with the team that they've got. I mean, Devante Adams has arguably been the best wide receiver in the league this year. He's put up, he's, he's looked beyond human some of the games he's played and some of the numbers he's put up. And like I said, John Love is not a bad acquisition, but when you're in a, what the, the, the mindset that the Packers had a thought they'd have been in, which was a win, do, do anything to win, win no mindset, it just seems like you want to draft with that in mind. And obviously, sitting behind Aaron Rodgers, there's no, there is no one better in the league to do that to. Because, he's, yeah, he's getting towards the end of his career. He says he wants to play into his 40s. If he can do that, that's great. But is he going to be able to? It's another question. But I think with them, with with the Packers, is you've got the Devante Adams, who is elite wide receiver. But... Beyond that, you've got Alan Lazard, who he's, he's a serviceable wide receiver, don't get me wrong, but it takes, he's not going to do it week in, week out like Adams does most of the time. And I think they are missing that second piece. But they, like I said, they have done, they played extremely well this season. It's not hurt them. But if they had that extra piece, what? who knows what could happen? I really, I really like um, Valdez Scantling. Uh, I think he's, he's, He's looked at times, you know, flashes uh, like a really good acquisition for them. Uh, I mean, you, you, you mentioned Mikael Hardman. I actually think Van der Velde has had a better year than Mikael Hard, um, Hardman, and I think he's looking like um, a really good pickup. Um, anyway, let's um, let's let, let's let's move on now from the. Uh, the games last week, and what we're going to do is we're going to go through, as we have for the last couple of weeks, we're going to go through the eliminated team grades and their players of the year. Um, you can debate it and tell me why I'm wrong. So we'll go up. We'll start up with the Ravens. Um, I've given them a B minus, and I've given the player of the year as Lamar Jackson. I really struggled with this, but if it wasn't for his end of season form, they wouldn't have made the they wouldn't have made the playoffs. And he wouldn't have been player of the year. He he finished out the year the last three or four weeks the way he finished the season before in sort of MVP kind of form. And he really dragged them through games. Uh, Tom, you alluded to the fact that they don't really have much weaponry for him to use. Um, and I'd, I'd, I'd go with that. Um, their their offence is very one-dimensional. Um but you know they 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 made it to the, the divisional round. Um, they did they they did a very good job in not just beating but shutting down 
what has been a very good uh, uh, Titans team last week. It was just one step too far for them. So yeah, my my overall summary of their season is that it was a really topsy turvy season, which was completely and utterly saved by Lamar Jackson having a shit mid game. <laughs> I see. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not far wrong. I could maybe say you could maybe bump it into like maybe a C plus, just because they've sort they've they've gone further this season than they did last season. But this season they've not played as well as they did last season. I think they finished last season with uh, they finished stronger last season in a position like in where they finished in their division and stuff. And it's, it might be a bit controversialist, but Lamar, I don't think Lamar Jackson is as up there as everyone else thinks he is. If you can stop him running, he's very limited on how far he can take you. Because the, the running aspect of his game is what makes him so dangerous. Because if you can stop him from being able to just scramble and he, you force him to throw the ball he's not as good as a QB. Don't get me wrong, he can throw a ball and he, he he is a good QB, but he's not. He's definitely not a top five QB in the league, maybe even a top 10. Uh, I, I'd be tempted to agree with you if it wasn't for the fantasy points he puts up, suggesting otherwise. I know fantasy isn't the be-all and the end-all of, uh, of, a, of a player's ability, but he does... He, he almost at times wins um, games certainly offensively single-handedly um adam talk <laughs> i don't have much to add um i mean i think they probably deserve to be in the b range just because you're right tom they've gone further than they did last year which of course is you know, shows progress um i can't say i particularly enjoyed ever watching the ravens much this year though um I guess I just don't have anyone else that's in the back of my mind that I'm thinking they were so important to the Ravens team this year. I, I think you're probably right with Lamar um, being their team's MVP. All right, well, we'll, um, we'll, we'll move on then. Um, and we're going to move on to the Browns. Um, I've given them a B plus. Uh, Kevin Stefanski is my, would be my coach of the year. I think he's worked miracles to turn turn this team into a really potent offense well an almost potent team they've got the best sort of ground game in the league with hunt and chubb back there and they would they they would be a menace if they can if they can keep their their wide wide receiver core fit and healthy and on it um and then fix some of the problems that they've got in that secondary during the off season they could be a real a real team to beat next year um, they're in for the MVP for their Player of the Year. I've given it to Baker Mayfield. It was a tough one to give because you know, normally you'd probably look at, but obviously he sat out massive parts of the year. Um, you could also look at the likes of Kareem Hunt, but then he's he's had a lot of really quiet weeks um, at times when Chubb's not not even been in the game in in the game. Probably a more accurate description of Baker Mayfield would be most improved um, because I think he's made a big stride forward in his ability this year, um, or certainly in the in the performances he's putting forwards. Um, well, yeah, as I say, if you think you lean with Baker Mayfield, he probably isn't in my top five for MVP for the Browns. I'd probably suggest Miles Garrett. You know, he's pretty much their defence. They're not the same team 
when he's not on the field. And you even saw it this week, the Chiefs exploit how they played the game when Miles Garrett wasn't playing, something that Tony Romo was picking up on uh, and how they'd empty the backfield when Miles Garrett wasn't there because they knew there'd be less pressure on Patrick Mahomes. You know, he's just been so important for the team. Um, this season's had 12 sacks, four forced fumbles. Um, I just think he's in, in 14 games as well. I think I think he's been... He's their star for me. Um, I mean, I, I can't necessarily talk about his demeanour and his uh, interest in taking helmets off and hitting other quarterbacks <laughs> over the head. Um, but this year, he's obviously turned his entire life around in a year because he's a Walter Payton Man of the Year nominee this year. Wild. What a turnaround. Probably, that's probably never happened before. But yeah, I, I go with Miles Garrett. I, I'm okay with the trade. Sure. I'll, um, I'll, I'll, I'll cede to you there. Um, I, hadn't really, I hadn't really thought about their defence because I just forgot that he existed for a minute, <laughs> which is why he didn't get chucked in as their player of the year. So I think I'd have to agree saying Miles Garrett. Um, to be honest, the Browns is where teams were. I've not really paid much attention to them this year because they've just sort of been there and then they just sort of, They've appeared more towards the end of the season and they've had that shot and they've got to the playoffs and they've done well. I think you could potentially have an argument again for an A for them just because of the turnaround from last season. To go from not even like from the last few years of the Browns to now is that's one of the that's like it's a fairy tale story almost to go from being six over sixteen to getting to the playoffs and not being that far off making it to the um conference round conference game it's it's a hell of a turnaround and um yeah i mean b plus a minus sort of thing is probably about the right sort of range from anywhere cool yeah all right we'll stick with b plus um all right the northern saints um i've given them a b uh disappointing finish to a stellar career pretty solid season um they haven't overly impressed while sort of being efficient other than Alvin Kamara sort of going off and having some absolutely wild games. Um, obviously, the Christmas Day game in particular being pretty crazy. I think they may have lost their best chance at a championship in the last couple, that they've had in the last couple of years by going out this weekend. Player of the year, is, as I say, it can only be uh, Alvin Kamara. Yeah, I've said a few times this season that I've been really hot on the Saints the past few years to make it to the Super Bowl or go the whole way win the cha- whole way win the championship. But this year, I just had a sense that it wasn't to be. I think the grades fair, um, as well as Alvin Kamara as well. To be honest, the only real rival for me being Mister Tay Tay Taysom Hill himself. But yeah, it's probably got to be Alvin, isn't it? You can't give it to Tay Tay. That was that'd be cri- criminal. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the, the grade's about right. They've performed about the level you can expect with an, an ageing Drew Brees under centre. I think um, it's less so much about this season now. It's just more, where did he go from here? And it'll be very interesting to see what team is on the field, field for them the first game of next season because it's going to be completely different from this season. And um, but Drew Brees, one, one hell of a career. And it's a shame that it had to end for him the way it did because... He is. He's been one of the all-time greats at quarterback. Not like the not the greatest or anything like that, but he's set records and he's done everything that you can expect and more. Especially out of a uh, quarterback that was a uh, drafted in the second round one day, I believe. So I mean, you, you you struggle to get quarterbacks like that in the first round. 
let, let alone the second round. Yeah. Um, okay, yeah. Well, I've got nothing else, else to add to that, so we'll move on to the final eliminated team this weekend, uh, which is the Los Angeles Rams. Um, I've given them a B plus uh, because they got further than, I think, certainly I, but I think many would have expected, and you've got to give them credit for that, regardless of how how dreadful they've been in a one or two performances. Um, they have a really, a really terribly regressing offence that needs attention. Uh, Jared Goff is not and should never be considered a franchise quarterback. And Cam Akers... Cam Akers is a good point to sort of go ahead and build an offence on. Um, I think he could be a star. But they've got... There's a lot of work to be done on their offence. And I just don't know whether they're going to be able to keep the defence that strong um, and rebuild the the offence at the same time. Um, There's only one player that you could possibly put in despite having several stars on that defence. There's only one player you can put in as their, their MVP and he's certainly the best, I would say, the best player in the league right now and that is Aaron Donald. I think that the yeah the grade the grade is about right. They've done a lot better than I imagine they would have gone into the season. But you can you see what you can do when you've got a good defense and an average offense. It's that defense can make the difference. If you can stop the other team scoring and you can score just enough, you're going to win games. And that's what they managed to do for better part of the season. I think you could you could potentially make an argument for um, Jalen Ramsey as their MVP. He's come in and he's been one of the one of the best uh, cornerbacks in this in the league this year. He's played well, but like I say, Aaron Donald is, is the best player in the league. And you can't I don't think you can really look past him much. I think um it'll be interesting next season for them in return in regards to um having Brandon Staley having moved on. Obviously he's gone to the Chargers now as their head coach. Will the will the defence take a step back because he's gone? And it's I mean, you, you it's it's all he's he's a good defensive coach. He's come through the Vic Fangio system, he is another good defensive coach. It's just, can they keep that up now they've lost him? And I'm not, I don't know if they can do. Yeah, I don't have much else to add either. Uh, Jalen Ramsey was probably actually my first thought ahead of Aaron Donald, but... Crazy. Yeah, he probably got to get Aaron Donald. He is good, isn't he? He's just, he is too good. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, Ramsey's a very good player. It's a shame he's a bellend, isn't it? <laughs> So what we're going to do now is we're going to move on and talk about the upcoming games first. Uh, first off, we'll start with the uh, the AFC Conference Championship, where the Bills are going to go down to Arrowhead and play the Chiefs. Um, I said it earlier that I was I've, I'm sort of I've been put off a little bit by the uh, the Bills the last couple of weeks, and I've moved from more or less thinking that they're going to win the win the lot to actually perhaps go and struggle to even make the Super Bowl. And I think it's going to be a close game. Uh, And it could all hinge on whether Patrick Mahomes clears the concussion protocol. It depends on how bad that hit really was. But it looked awful. Um, So I'm going to go and say that I think... I think he's not going to play. But I think the Chiefs might still sneak it. 
and I'm going to go with a three-point win, 24 points to 21. Oh, I can't believe you're going for Pat not playing and the Chiefs winning. Um, I think Patrick plays, and I think he leads the Chiefs to another Super Bowl appearance, 27-20. I just think that they have too much, and the Bills, you know, they could hit their purple patch at the right time. They've not been that great this week. Um, maybe they bounce back, but I still think the Chiefs have got too much. Um, it's it's a tough one because you look at how he got up from that hit and look at how he was wobbling about. It looked like he didn't even know his own name at that point. But then Andy Reid's come out and he said that he's looking good. I don't know if that's meant to be a bit of smoke and mirrors to try and throw it off. But I think it's well, I mean, it does all depend on if he plays or not. I think if he doesn't play, it'll be a pretty convincing win for the Bills. I just can't see Chad Henney being able to produce that level of production across a full game. But I think if he does win, if he does play, it'll be close and he, he will eke out the win, maybe by a field goal. But it will be a very close game if he plays, I think. Oh, I'm not going to change my mind. I'm going to go with a Chiefs win regardless. Um, okay, uh, we'll move on then to the NFC Championship game with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers visiting Lambeau Field. Uh, against the Green Bay Packers. Um, I think the MVP is going to be too much for most people's goats. I really want, I really want to see Rogers win the league, win the lot again before um, before he retires. Uh, he could have, he could have two or three, maybe four years left in him still, but I just don't know whether I see it. Um. I'm actually going to go for a convincing um, Green Bay win. Um, And that's more my heart than my head's telling me it's going to be the case. But I'm going to go for a 34 points to... 34 points to 24 win in favour of Green Bay. I just think they're too good for Tampa. I think that going into the game, home field advantage is is what's going to swing it in favour of the Green Bay more than anything. I think that the Bucks, obviously they've got a great offence, as you were saying earlier. As much as I don't want to say he's, he's the greatest of all time, because I don't think he's, I think Peyton Manning is, but that's another debate altogether again. But I think that, no matter what, I think that Green Bay will have too much room, just because Aaron Rodgers will do Aaron Rodgers things. And if it's... Like I said, playing playing in Green Bay, it's just the weather and stuff. It'll get on top of Tampa more than it's obviously going to get on top of Green Bay, and it's going to lead to a maybe not as convincing win, but it'll be it'll be closer than the Rams game, but it'll still be a pretty good win for the uh, for the Packers, I think. I fancy a bit of a thrashing actually in this one. Um, I'm going to go 38 to 19 in favour of the Packers. There's Scott. Good lads. The tra- I think they've just shown way too much for the Buccaneers to handle. Do you say that? Uh, what was the what was the score week six? The Buccaneers 38, Packers 10. I know that was a bit of an anomaly in their season, but the Buccaneers absolutely twatted them. Yeah, but lightning doesn't strike twice in the same place. That is a complete and utter inaccuracy. It often strikes twice in the same place. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to film Buccaneers in the Super Bowl. <laughs> Uh yeah. <laughs> okay, well that's that's that for another week then I guess. Um 
once again, thank you for joining me this week, Alan. Always a pleasure. And uh, Tom, thank you for coming on and uh, and having your first taste of uh, podcasting. How do you enjoy it? Oh, brilliant! Yeah, a bit nerve wracking towards the start, but it's yeah, it's been good. I've enjoyed it. Hopefully, I'll be back again at some point soon. Yeah, what what a joy getting to come and talk to a couple of idiots about football can be. <laughs> um, but yeah, Dave, uh, thank you again, lads, for for joining me, and thank you for anybody still listening in to us at ten weeks in. I know, I know, it's early on, but uh, we're seeing a little bit of a little bit of growth in listeners and. Thank you, anybody who's sticking with us. Um, we'll be back next week to pick apart, hopefully, the, uh, a really poor <laughs> Buccaneers performance. Uh, but until that point, thank you and goodbye. <laughs>